BDSM and non-standard relationships. Star exchange and polyamory. Sacred sexuality and fetishes. As, as well, well as, as simply, simply fun, fun kink. kink. You'll find shows on these topics and more at eroticawakeningpodcast.com. This week on Erotic Awakening, masochist, geekery, and the secret question. Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by Ohio Smart. Don't miss Kinko de Mayo, Ohio Smart's annual weekend event in Cleveland on May 1st and 2nd. KDM 2015 will be an experience unlike any other. More info online at kinkodemayo.com. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. If you are offended by adult topics when prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hi, Dan. Hi, Don. So. 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 So there's the opening. <laughs> and where are we going from here? Well, it's hard to say. We are... Uh, we have a fantastic interview about being a masochist with Miss Amanda. Uh, I have been around the scene for many, many years now, and Miss Amanda does some shit that I go, whoa, what in the <laughs> fuck are you doing? I used to think I was a masochist, so remember when I was looking for people to play with? Absolutely. I was like, I'm a submissive. Wait a minute, I don't want to submit to anybody, and I like pain. Okay, I'm going to advertise myself as a masochist. Whoa. There, there's things I don't do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and being a masochist, I ended up like being whipped on my shins and stuff. So not my thing. Maybe maybe I'm a little bit of a masochist. Maybe. Maybe. We'll find out uh, from Miss Amanda what an actual masochist is, how one becomes one, and all kinds of good stuff around that. Indeed. Also, we will ask Dawn right now. <gasps> so over the weekend, you and I were <laughs> over at the uh, AIS Unconference. Yes. And the... And there was a point where we were sitting around while there was four classes going on mm-hmm. and a variety of nudity, and we were playing Dominion. We were. Now, when I say nudity, not just people changing their clothes kind no, of in no, the no, corner. No. In one of the classes, uh, people were being tied up. Another class, someone was having their pussy shaven, which mm-hmm. does require your pussy to be naked. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting around playing Dominion. We were. So we're probably, what, six other people? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And we had a lot of people standing around watching yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. So, so the question being then, and therefore, uh, why are kinksters so geeky? Or why are geeky people such kinksters? Ooh, I don't know about the why. I just know I am a geek. I like board games. I like LARPing. And I'm kinky. And it all came together, except for the board games, because I've always played Risk. Remember, I've played Risk since like the 80s and other sure. kinds of board games like that. But um, the LARPing and all that stuff kind of came out to play when you and I got together. So so I don't know. For me, it was just embracing my inner self in all realms. I, think, I don't know that happens with everybody, though. I think part of it is just that when you're around... Now, I'm not saying you're just going to the um, events just to play on occasion, mm-hmm. right? If you are around the community for some length of time, you go to a lot of events or classes, um, you start to separate it less from the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that geeky people are kinkier or kinky people are geekier than the average people. It just so happens that kinky people, some kinky people are geeky. Other kinky people like to fish. And I heard conversations about fishing over the weekend. <laughs> nice. Some kinky people 
are into all the different things that any kind of person is well, into. I was crocheting too, and sometimes people crochet during workshops. So, um, hell, Sarah Sloan does knitting and talks about knitting on her right. Facebook all the time. So There's, you could even make an argument that, oh, why are we all into crafty stuff? Right, and I don't think that we all are in the crafty Mm-mm. stuff. Uh, I think that there's actually two groups that we're aware of, and I can't recall the name of either one right now, unfortunately, where it's kinky people going and doing social things. Right. That are not kinky. You know, like kinky people go to the movies, or kinky people go out to eat dinner, or kinky people just go do social type stuff. Bowling and movies and, yeah, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. So that was kind of a throwaway question. Um, I was trying to trap you or trick you, and you did not uh, fall for my you foolishness. Know, it actually uh, uh, popped into my head, though. You know, there's stuff like Origins and um, Gen Con and all that type of mm-hmm. stuff coming up, right? And I've heard that there are private gatherings where kink comes into play. So, like, maybe in people's hotel rooms or something like that. And it's kept on the very, very, very low And um, that surprised me. And the more I got to thinking about it, because that's that whole geeky and kinky, the more I got to thinking about it, you know, sometimes geeky people are more about um, living in fantasy as well. You've got your table toppers, you've got your LARPers, you've got things like that. And I think that being in the kink world is also about fantasy, but about bringing it to life. Mm-hmm. So, like, you've got your table toppers that do LARPing because it brings it kind of more into life. If you've got fantasies of of anything naughty, the kink world is where you bring that to life. Okay. Cosplay. How many people do cosplay in the kink world, mm-hmm. you know? And it's that crossing of that geek and fantasy and and kink and, yeah, I think it's just all about bringing it to life and we're more... Creative, but as 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 the cosplay people like to point out to me when we say that, mm-hmm. is that cosplay is not kinky. It is not about kink. It is not a sexual thing. For some furries but, will tell you that too, right? But some people will. Some people do sexualize it. Some pe- people do kinkify it. I would say that the cosplay people that we see in kink events is mm-hmm. a very l- small number. It is, but I remember Dark Odyssey, and I remember Wonder Woman taking down Superman and then oh, tying yeah. him up and flogging him. I remember the, <laughs> Absolutely. There's a, a kangaroo who was doing service right. at a particular event that we saw. Right. So I'm not saying they don't exist. Right. So, yeah, I think it just has a lot to do with the, you know, understanding fantasy and not being so rooted in, uh, I don't know, the mundane world, so maybe they can let their their inner whatever come out and flag. Could be, could be. So I don't know. Well, that is it for our bantering around this morning. <laughs> uh, we are going to go ahead and put on that interview from Miss Demanda about the Fed because it's a nice long interview about being a masochist. We do, of course, have to mention that. Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by KJ Canes, home of the original designer glow in the dark and light up canes. It's where art and pleasure come together to suit your unique style. They have the biggest selection of canes on the net. And it's more than canes. Check out the great selection of hand-poured, low-temp paraffin and soy wax candles, as well as blah, 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 blah. <laughs> as well as all the basics, such as gags, collars, fetish jewelry, nipple clamps, whips, floggers, paddles, vibes, and more. EA listeners get 10% off of orders of $25 or more with a discount code of DanNDawn15. So head over to KJ Canes and check that out. And here's Miss Demanda. So, Don, here we are still at the AIS Unconference, the one of a kind. And fortunately for us, 
on the letter M, M is for masochist. And when I think masochist, I think Miss Amanda, who happens to be sitting <laughs> with us today. So, Miss Amanda, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. So, as I've been around the BDSM lifestyle for these 15 years, I've seen some funky shit. But I have not seen the kinds of things that you go through as a masochist. <laughs> the shenanigans. The shenanigans, yes. So I re the last scene I recall you being part of um, was involving some kind of a tube going into your nose. Oh, And that yeah. was a while ago. Now I've seen her waterboarded. Oh, you've seen her waterboarded? Yeah, uh-huh. So, yeah, yeah. Some, some interesting stuff. Yeah, I get into, I get into trouble. <laughs> you get into trouble on occasion. So do you consider yourself a masochist? Yes, absolutely. What, what is a masochist? Um, a masochist, well, for me, it's somebody that derives some, lev some level of pleasure from pain. It's not necessarily like it feels good, but it's good that it doesn't feel good. I know okay. that's like a really weird way to put it. Cool. Um, but for me, that's definitely what it is. Cool. Now, um, so I've got, I've got a couple of questions for you around masochism. So, because I know... I actually tried to label myself as a masochist once so that I could try to find the right type of tops to play with me. That didn't go too well. No. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a submissive that likes to submit to pain, but there's still a difference in my head as to the difference between submission and masochism being a masochist. Mm -hmm. Can you try to explain that? Because you're both, right? Yes, it's kind okay. of. I'm sort of both <laughs> in the sense that I, I am part of a DS dynamic where I'm, I'm property. I'm, I'm submissive to that person, but in general, I'm not submissive. Um, there are definitely scenes where I will, you know, approach it from a masochist's perspective for submission. Like, it, it's like a service. It, it makes me happy that my top, who is a sadist, is getting pleasure from hurting me. But for the most part, they're very different things in the sense that usually when I'm doing a really heavy masochistic scene, it tends to be a little more cathartic or have like a spiritual aspect to it or even just mm -hmm. a personal challenge aspect to it um, where there might not be any kind of power exchange there involved with somebody that I'm playing with. It's, it's more that I'm receiving pain or whatever torture somebody has devised. <laughs> it's, it's possible for the two to be separate. Um, so, I mean, as always, submission can be a little more service-based. Masochism can be a little more physically based as opposed to just being a power dynamic. Do you, do you have intercourse? Sometimes with a specific person, when you have specific people. When you have sex, <laughs> do you, does, it, does pain need to be involved? It doesn't need to be involved, but it can really add a fun element <laughs> to it. It's, it's not there all the time, but it's definitely a fun little game to play. Okay. Makes things interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so I still don't get what a masochist is. So let me explore that a little bit more. You'd said <clears throat> that you get. You didn't say you get pleasure from pain. Mm -hmm. You said you get pleasure from tolerating the pain. Is something maybe I heard. Yes. Um, I mean, for for me, when when you start beating on somebody, it really kicks that fight or flight response in gear, mm -hmm. and I get a lot of pleasure from battling my own natural instincts of seeing how far I can push that mm. um, before not quite going into like a primal space where you're fighting back or, or right. a really fearful space where you're trying to get away, but kind of like riding that wave of pain where it's your, your entire body is screaming, this is bad, we don't like this, we need to stop. And you're just kind of going along with it and be like, no, 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 we're really not in any danger. You just think that we are. And, and that can obviously produce like a lot of 
physiological reactions. Mm-hmm. And, and that tends to be what I get pleasure from, is that personal change of how much pain can I take, how far can I push it um, before I just have to tap out or, or something along those lines. See, and I, I get all of that, which is why I thought I was masochist. Mine's not always with pain, though. It's also with fear. Mm-hmm. Just the fear play. Can I get through this fearful thing without getting into the flight or fight? So does fear do it for you as well, or does it have to be pain? Absolutely. Well, fear fear <laughs> does do it for me, but I, I kind of tend to categorize it a little bit, where mm-hmm. I might be getting beat on, and that's definitely masochism. That's more of like a physical aspect, whereas fear is more of like a, a mental or an emotional masochism. Um, which to me could even be a little more dangerous than somebody just wailing on you with a giant bat or cane or whatever. Because um, you can't really see the bruises or the scars that you're forming when you're getting into mental BDSM. Right. Um, and you can come across a lot of triggers that you may not even be aware that are there. But it, it kind of still all dovetails in together because it's a form of pain. It's just more mental or spiritual rather than just physical. As you recognize that you're a masochist, does the people that you play with, does that impact the people you play with? Or does that mean you're willing to play with just about anybody because you can take just about anything? Oh gosh, no, it definitely, it definitely goes into who I play with. The harder that I tend to play, the more picky and selective I am, just because I'm very risk aware. A lot of the things that I like, so you can be pretty edgy and can be pretty dangerous, and I need to know that the people that I'm playing with or engaging with are going to be able to handle if that scene goes south. Like if, if an emergency happens, are they going to be able to respond appropriately? And not to mention if they themselves are in a good mentally healthy area where they're able to handle, they're doing these awful things to another human being, and they have to have a pretty good firm grasp on them on themselves to be able to explore that. Um, I mean, definitely if I'm doing something like a, you know, a, I don't want to say simple or... Um, like a flogging or, or nothing where it's really going to go to an extreme. Right. Um, I, I can play with, with anybody if the energy is right. It doesn't always have to be crazy. Um, <laughs> just flogging. It doesn't just have to be whatever, crazy. It's fine. Um, I have noticed, though, since I, you know, I do kind of have a little bit of a reputation as being a heavy masochist. And what I tend to run into more, though, with the people that I play are the people that want to be like, oh, can I, can I make Ms. Demanda say red? Can I make oh. Ms. Demanda cry? Can I, you know, they view it as more of a, a personal challenge of their own to like right. prove themselves as a top or a sadist or whatever. Um, That's no fun. No, it's not fun. And it's not fun for anybody involved because uh-uh. who, wants, who wants to do that? Right. So, well, you, Go ahead, Don. No, I was going to say, when I think of um, masochist, I mean, I know I've seen some of the stuff that you've done. I considered myself a heavy bottom for a long time, so but I've seen some stuff that you've done that I can't do. <laughs> I may have done some stuff that other people can't do, but um, I also remember this scene with someone else at an early, I don't remember if it was a cope or a winter wickedness, and this person was a masochist, but I hadn't realized how much, And but I'd never, ever, ever seen her as a submissive. That's why I was asking you this submissive versus masochist thing, because... I mean, I, I kind of want to make it clear that you don't have to be submissive to be a masochist. I yeah. mean, she took, oh my God, <laughs> that had me tiptoeing out of the room. It's like, <laughs> I can't watch this. <laughs> do you think that, is the, the downside of being a masochist that once you've done a, a, an extreme sort of scene, like for example, waterboarding, is it hard to go back to a flogging or a caning? Um, 
I mean, I imagine in some cases it can be. If you immediately jump right back, or, oh, at 4 o'clock I'll be getting waterboarded, and at 5.30 I'll be getting cane. It it can be for me sometimes. It's always trying to see how much farther we can push the envelope, which Mm -hmm. is why I think a lot of people tend to try to draw out their really heavy scenes where there's, for me, I'll put it like a couple of months in between, or maybe I'll do one really huge, crazy thing once a year and then smaller ones. Um, For me personally, I feel like if you're always doing really heavy, dark, crazy, push the envelope kind of things, it's really easy to get lost in it and always, you know, kind of like sub frenzy or what is it? Dom's disease. You're, you're constantly (laughs) trying to, to, to chase that high a little more. And I feel like the, the harder you tend to play, the more you kind of need to take a little more time and check back in with yourself Mm -hmm. and and just make sure you're, you know, you're, you're doing it for fun and for the right reasons. And you're not just kind of chasing that high that your body creates. Do you think you scare tops off? that are not heavy sadist. I mean, obviously the people, or perhaps, maybe it's not obvious, but I would think if somebody identifies and is a sadist, they go, oh, I, mean, I wish I could play with Miss Demanda because she's a big masculine. <laughs> but non-sadist, people that are just tops, that they enjoy flogging, caning, all that kind of jazz, do you think they would say, oh, Miss Demanda wouldn't enjoy playing with me because I don't really, you know, I don't go for that the far. edge, <laughs> right? I don't go that far. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that's possible. I think that's the same. But on the flip side, it happens also where there are, there are sadists with that, um, you know, do really crazy heavy things. And other bottoms might look at them and be like, well, I don't play heavy enough for them. I, I, for any player, I think a really heavy masochist or a really heavy sadist, I think that's something that they do fall into sometimes. Um, and I found just kind of talking to those people and being like, no, 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 I might do something absolutely crazy this one night. That doesn't mean that we can't have a really fun scene and I can't really enjoy myself with something that's not quite so heavy. Um, that's definitely a preconceived notion, I think, that okay. people have. So, um, interested, how did you figure out you were a masochist? <laughs> did you just fall into it or was it something that you thought about? It was, kind of, it was actually something that I kind of fell into. Uh, I've been involved in the community for five and a half, six years now. When I first started and filled out my FAP profile, it was, oh, submissive is an, op- is an option. I'll go with that because I like having stuff done to me. And I didn't realize there was other terminology out there. So I build myself as submissive. And then um, I was at like a, I think it was a winter wickedness. And there was somebody that I saw that I wanted to play with. And she was this beautiful woman. Um, and I was like, I want her to make me cry. So I told her this and we we played and we, I mean, obviously we negotiated and played. And she just beat the living hell out of me. Completely worked me over. I was covered in bruises for weeks. And a couple of weeks later, I was like, I really like that. Maybe I'm a masochist a little bit. (laughs) And then I just kind of started exploring that a little more and realizing that, yeah, definitely. My relationship with pain is a little unusual. So I did kind of just stumble into it. Was there there a period of looking in the mirror and saying, "Uh uh-oh, maybe I'm broken? Normal people don't like this. A, a little bit, but by then, like, I'd been involved in the kink community for about a year and a half, two years that it happened. Um, so I, I was surrounded by a lot of people that were saying, this is going to happen. You're going to question yourself. Mm-hmm. You're normal. It's fine. So okay. I, I already had, like, a safety net in place. I mean, there definitely was some of those thoughts a little bit. Um, and I definitely took a lot of time to reflect on myself and be like, what is wrong with me? Why am I doing this? And I very quickly came to the realization that, I just like it. <laughs> what, what would be, if we were to negotiate a, an, some kind of an extreme scene, what would your requirements for aftercare be? Um, oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, I tend, I personally don't like aftercare. 
in the sense that the, the heavier a scene is, by the time that I'm done with it, I don't want cuddles. I don't want to be told that it's going to be okay. I like to have a little bit of a emotional masochist moment where I just kind of want to wallow in it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... I, I had I heard somebody say that we did all this work to get me into this state. Why would we immediately want to get me out? Right. Um, and, and I'm pretty good at normalizing myself a little bit. Now, that there are certain aspects, obviously, if I'm going to play with like some crazy emotional triggers or something, that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to want aftercare. I'm going to want to feel safe and, and secure. But for the most part, I really want people to just leave me alone and let me kind of recenter myself because all of that the touching and the the, the the loviness and the here's some chocolate and water and all of that, that that's a little overwhelming okay. for me after i've done something heavy oh nice now i'm just thinking so what would you when you negotiate these scenes what would you advise people to think about as nice. as they're negotiating a scene with a sadist so you're a masochist, you know you like edgy stuff, you're getting ready to negotiate. Not your, not your primary play partner, but maybe somebody else that you've watched and you want to play with. How would you negotiate? Um, I would definitely, I'm sure some people have heard of the opt-in method. Talk about specifically about what you want, um, as opposed to saying, well, I don't want you to do this, I don't want you to do this or this or this. Kind of focus in on one thing, because if you're planning on pushing it really far, you might not want to add a bunch of other stuff mm. in. You might just want to be able to focus on, we're going to whip me until my skin breaks. Instead right. of, we're going to whip me, and then we're going to fist me, and then we're going to tie me up by my toes, and then we're going <laughs> to dunk me in a vat of water or something. Right. Um, because you, your body can get fatigued pretty quickly, and you can get mentally fatigued pretty quickly when you're doing some heavy scenes. So that would be my first thing, is, is just pick something and focus on that, and then go from there. I would also question if it's not somebody, even if it's somebody that you know really well, um, question like, do you know where the emergency kit is? What are you going to do if this goes south? Like, discuss your, your physical, possi- you know, physical ailments, I guess, uh, that could play into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way, if like an emergency does happen, you can get it taken care of. Cause that's always a possibility of somebody mm. fainting sure. or God knows what else could happen. Just make sure they're going to be able to handle the situation well. And then talk about what you're going to do afterwards. Is there going to be aftercare? Are we going to reconnect a couple of days later? I like to get all of that out of the way first, because when I'm coming down from a really heavy scene, I do tend to drop pretty hard. Um, I don't want to think about all that stuff. Right. I want right. to have it all in place and just know that it's already taken care of. Um, and then just be kind to yourself afterwards because it's going to be, it might be rough. So be a little gentle with yourself. Very cool. So one more question for you, if you don't mind. Sure. Have you ever been negotiating or had a sadist say, what do you about this, that you've got, no, fuck you, no. <laughs> I'm sure there has a lot. Um, usually, like when I mentioned earlier that sometimes I'll get sadists that, um, We'll be like, oh, I'm going to make Ms. Demand to say red. And we'll start negotiating a little bit, and you can kind of pick up on that. And it just immediately kills the energy of the scene, and you realize that you're just there to stroke their ego. Uh, and you're that. like, no, that, no. I'm not going to be something here to make you feel better about yourself. Right. Um, and, and that's usually what it is. But as for if there's anything that somebody has suggested that we do, that I'm like, no, we're totally not going to do that. Right. Um, I don't know. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> no, nobody has ever suggested anything that I will not do. Um, well, that's not necessarily terrible. That maybe you, you're, you're negotiating with sane people. You know, it's like, oh, you're a sadist or you're a masochist. Well, I'm going to shoot you in the knee. <laughs> oh no. 
Red, no gunplay. Yes. Okay, <laughs> actually, so I do have one more question for you, if you don't mind. Okay. That whole tube up the nose thing, did you know that was coming? No. Oh, no, he, yeah. was, he was showing somebody else how to do it, and I was told to sit down in a chair, and I was like, oh, what's happening? And the next thing you know, like, it was horrible. He's like, it was an NG tube, he's shoving it down my nose, down my throat, and then obviously into my stomach. And what was horrible was every time I would breathe or talk, it would, like, vibrate in my throat, which would then make me gag, and it right. was... It was horrible. Oh. I have, like, a weird thing about medical play like that anyway. Like, I've never been in an emergency room, so I think, like, that's torture. So, of course, they thought it was hilarious. You were sitting very still most of the time. Because any time I moved, it would be like, <laughs> it was weird. It was awful. Oh. So, Miss Amanda, fantastic to have you on the podcast. A uh, lot of fun and energy, and I appreciate getting to know you a little bit better. And um, just, you know... Keep doing what you're doing, and if you're going to do anything else wacky, give us a holler first so we can come watch. <laughs> Definitely. Well, thank you. Well, come watch or tiptoe out. <laughs> yeah, it's going to say. It'll be flesh hooks all over again. It'll be like, where's the back door? Awakening is sponsored in part by the Guilty Pleasure Stage Show and its educational branch, the Monkey Puzzle Club. Join us the third Friday of each month for Fetish Foreplay Friday at Club Princeton in Columbus, Ohio. Classes begin at 8 p.m. with party immediately following. There, you can also catch the Guilty Pleasure Stage Show at Porter's Pub in Columbus, Ohio, the fourth Friday of every month. So, Dawn, here's yes, the secret question that I suggested at the beginning of the show. Yes, sir. The secret question is... Who do you go to in the Central Ohio area if you want to learn how to be a better top? Ooh, You're right. It is the Guilty Pleasure Show. The Guilty, the pleasure, guilty pleasure Show and Monkey Puzzle Club. Because they actually go through oh, the yeah, motions yeah. of training the people guilty, to be absolutely. better. Absolutely. So the Guilty Pleasures um, teaches their team, teaches their crew how to flog and how to work with people and everything like that. So safe words, the whole works. So you are right. And then the Monkey Puzzle Club meets every Wednesday at 8 p.m. at the room at the Columbus Insight Center. Follow us on Twitter at MonkeyPuzzleOH. You can also follow Guilty Pleasures and Monkey Puzzle Club on FetLife.com for all announcements and discussions. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dom. <laughs>